I confess, I was going through a divorce while on the phone with my soon-to-be ex, discussing meeting to sign papers. I had the nicest dick in my mouth for pretty much the whole convo. Ha <laughs> 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 ha. That's it. Says ha ha. On the subject of dicks, I confess, I love dick pics. Stop bitching about the dick pics. I I think we're just bitching about when they're not consensual. Yeah. Send that person dick pics pronto. I confess, I love giving blowjobs. When a man tells you he's never had a blowjob like that, he's telling something I already know. (laughs) Sex. Almost everybody does it, and almost nobody talks about it, except at Bedpost Confessions, a storytelling show based in Austin, Texas. Whether the stories are funny, informative, political, or completely personal, the anonymous confessions from the audience are the stars of every show. Welcome to the Bedpost Confessions podcast. I'm Bedpost producer Miranda Wiley. This story comes from a longtime performer in the Austin and Central Texas area, but it took us quite some time to get her to the Bedpost stage to share her story. Chola Magnolia is a co-producer of Midnight Menagerie, Texas's only person of color performance collective. She's a dancer for Fat Bottom Cabaret and was the 2018 Queen of Texas Burlesque. Chola's Bedpost Confessions piece, Stand Femme, speaks to femphobia and femme invisibility within the queer community and how it spreads to society and vice versa. One note before we hear Chola's story. All Bedpost storytelling productions are made accessible to the deaf audience members by the fantastic interpreters from Soul Illumination. Though the interpreters are there to serve the deaf, they enthrall the entire crowd with their beautiful expressions of American sign language. If you hear a roar of laughter and don't understand why, the interpreter may have stolen the show for a minute. On to the story. Here is Chola Magnolia with Stand Femme. Hello, uh, my name is Chola Magnolia. My best friends and only my best friends can call me Cups. Don't try it if you're not her. <laughs> I am a fat identified Chicanex, tassel twirling burlesque femme with she her pronouns and resting bitch face. I originally hail from San Antonio. Home of barbacoa with a big red, chicken on a stick, puffy tacos, rampant misogyny and machismo, and femi razor. Now, I've mentioned the term femme a couple of times since we met. And while you might think you know what the term means, you're probably wrong. So, let me bless you with the gloriousness of it all. To begin, femme is not a cute way of saying feminine. Sorry, straight ladies. 
femme is a lesbian identity that was created in the working class lesbian bar culture of the 1950s. It was a term used to distinguish feminine lesbians and bisexual women from their butch masculine counterparts. Today, it might also represent a gay non-binary individual, an asexual trans woman, or used to describe queer femininity for persons of any gender. In short, femme identification, both aesthetically and identity related, means you are feminine and you fall somewhere on the LGBTQIA spectrum. That's a pretty fierce identifier, if I may say so myself, which is why I claim it. But while femme is powerful, with her power comes darkness, degradation, and danger due to common misconceptions and derogatory beliefs, leading to femme erasure, femme phobia, femme invisibility. Femme erasure, femme phobia, and femme invisibility is based around the concept that because society has deemed feminine qualities to be lesser than their masculine counterparts, Femmes are weak, unworthy, a waste of time and energy, and something that can be erased. Let me start from the beginning of my own adventure to give a clear idea of how confusing and devastating this concept can be for even one person, let alone an entire population. I was born into a traditional Mexican-American family with strong roots in the Catholic Church even having gone to Catholic school my entire school career. As a Mexican female in a male-centered and machismo upbringing, I was instructed that in order to get a man, I had to wear makeup, act like a lady, fix my hair, speak softly, and only when asked to speak. I had many hairstyles, but I was never allowed to cut my hair short because that's how they wore it. But who was they? I had no idea. While every other girl was bucking against their parents in regards to being more girly, I was completely in love with it. I wanted to go to the mall to try on every high heel, every mini dress, and every perfume I could get my hands on. I went through my adolescence applying makeup and then washing my face just because I wanted to start all over again with another look. I loved feeling pretty, looking different every day, and not for any boy, just for me. As a baby gay at the gay bars and clubs, I didn't see anyone who looked like me. Instead, the rooms were filled with the same face, same clothes, same swagger, same cologne. If they did look like me, they were just a hag hanging on the shoulders of their gay guy friend for a night of fun. They were not women who were interested in me. I felt isolated until I met Allison. Allison had shoulder length, brownish blonde hair, smelled like flowers, whiskey, and sex. She came right for me one night, taking my hand and pulling me to the dance floor to make out to Stacy Q's Two of Hearts. <laughs> my love affair with Allison blew up bringing us super close, super fast. We spent our time shopping, talking about our sexual partners, making out, dancing, drinking, and just being. But it was a quick tryst. She met a gorgeous dagger who whisked her away from me. 
Alice and I, Allison and I only saw each other in passing at the bar where she smiled at me longingly, but her girl held her tightly. It wasn't until a few months later at a friend's house that Allison whispered in my ear in the line for the bathroom, if only you were more butch, I would have chosen you. Oh, my heart. That was my first real taste of feminine visibility. If only I was more butch. As I started to really evaluate where I stood in my new community, I heard time and again that I was too girly, that I had to tone it down with the makeup and the clothes, that I should cut my hair to look more queer. So I did. I wore polo shorts. <laughs> it gets better. It gets better. <laughs> Khaki cargo shorts. Boat shoes. I I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> and I cut all my hair off. Yeah. <laughs> but just like that, it all changed. I met so many new people who looked just like me, who welcomed me, who wanted to fuck me, but who didn't actually know me. Yes, I was getting a lot of ass. But my femme identity was swallowed up by the ever undulating tide of pussy available to me, while my tits and my hips were hidden under baggy clothes. I was dating off and on and losing myself more and more. One weekend, I had a house party, and every gay I knew showed up, including a new girl I was into. Karen was tall, quiet, brooding, and uber butch. Now, at this point, I hadn't quite come out to my family, but I also didn't hide my life. So when my dad showed up, I welcomed him to hang out with my friends. He had some beers, and after a couple of boozy hours, he started to look around. <laughs> Gaze everywhere. At one point, Karen walked past him. While, when she was out of earshot, he leaned over to me and jokingly said, well, we all know who's looking for pussy tonight. <laughs> While he's motioning to her... I was simultaneously angry at my dad for being so vulgar and offended because, hello, Dyke, 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 right here. So I asked him, so who else do you think here is gay? He pointed out every mask-presenting person, never mind the two with lipsticks making out because they were just a couple of party girls. I couldn't believe that my own dad unbeknownst to him, had just invalidated all the femmes. Time marched on, being young and gay and just trying to fit in. I met Lisa. Oh, Lisa. I was head over heels for her. But it was that weird want of, do I want to be with her or do I want to be her? She was what was described to me as a stem, part stud, part femme. She dressed more mask, but wore makeup. She smelled like heaven, had regular manicures, and her hair was always on point. 
far cry from the swarming seas of popped collars and baseball caps I had just emerged from. <laughs> I found myself dipping my toes back into the femme realm, feeling confident, gorgeous, and loved. If I dressed too butch, she would look me up and down and say, no, girl, go get pretty. She told me what shoes to wear with my tight pencil skirt, twirled my growing hair around her fingers, and told me how beautiful I was. Lisa was my knight in shining armor, saving me from myself. She was the first partner to let me be me, to see me for who I was. And while being girlfriends was not in the stars, she remains one of my best friends and tells me when I look busted. So here I was, back in the arms of my own femme badassery, making my way to Austin to start a new queer life. I marched into queer spaces, heels clacking, gum smacking, perfume floating behind me, my long hair glistening yet again, only to find myself right back at the beginning, face to face with ingrained misogyny in in the queer community. My new community questioned my sexuality, my history, my past sexual encounters. Some even blatantly accused me of being straight because of how I looked. So what did I fucking do? I shaved the side of my damn head. Yep, that trendy look that you see everywhere. I did that 10 years ago to look more gay. What the fuck? I was in the throes of an abusive relationship with my own community, and I just could not get out. I became suicidal. My depression and anxiety heightened every time I had to get dressed to go out. If I wear these heels instead of boat shoes, will I be given the side eye? Made to feel like I didn't belong. Do I even belong? I was beyond exhausted. In a last-ditch effort to be more queer... I joined the Kings and Things in 2008. Kings and Things was Austin's premier drag king troupe made up of queers who didn't quite fit into a mold. We were drag kings, strippers, cabaret dancers, singers, personality that just wanted to exist without question. I made my way through the troupe, tried my hand at being a king, as in dressing and performing in a male persona, but then I found burlesque. In burlesque, I could be as femme, glamorous, bougie, shiny, as sparkly as I wanted to be. But guess what? There was more erasure to be had. No matter the city, when the MC announced that I was queer identified, the interrogation followed my performance. Are you really gay? What kind of queer are you? You still date men, right? You're too pretty to be gay. You strip for men, so you must want to fuck those men. And then my favorite question, you can't be gay, you have long nails. (laughs) Excuse me? There are so many ways to fuck with nails. (laughs) But before I even begin with that, let me just note that not every person with vagina wants or needs penetration to fuck. So there's that. But for my kind of sex, well, first off, my mouth does amazing things. 
all while my nails scratch and tease your skin. Next, scissoring is a thing. Yes, I said it. Scissoring is a thing. Only we don't call it scissoring because ew. But grinding pussies, smashing papas, clam bumping, clitty twisting, whatever you call it, it can all be done with nails. Duh. <laughs> and a pro tip passed down in fem lineage if you have long nails and your partner likes to be fucked, are you ready? Put a cotton ball at the end of each nail, slip on a latex glove, lube up, and slide on in. Yeah, I was fucking blown away. <laughs> so in short, yes, homie, queer femmes can fuck with long nails. Okay? Let me repeat that. Queer femmes can fuck with nails. It's not that hard. It's not that hard to understand. <laughs> During this constant barrage of questions, I struggled to keep my head up, remain visible, build my burlesque career, and fight for queer rights. And then a breakthrough. I met my girls, the femmes of Fat Bottom Cabaret. <laughs> The bitches to match my own bitch. They were unapologetic, fearless, fierce, and I fit right the fuck in. I found myself in a sea of other femmes. I found myself within my own femininity, and this changed the course of my identity. These women gave me the courage and the power to reclaim what was mine and to encourage others to do the same. They continue to give me strength, to give me life, to show me sisterhood, and we hold each other up. Fired up with my newfound sisterhood, I began to research what femme meant to others, how this attempted erasure of femme and femininity wreaked havoc on my beloved queer communities, and so I began to exercise my queer power, my femme queer power. I stormed, once again, into every space, Heels clacking, gum smacking, perfume flying, floating behind me, my hair glistening, flirted relentlessly, and snatched zaddies left and right. I was fucking more than ever on my terms. I found my rhythm, and then I found my man. I did what society and my mama wanted me to do. I hooked a gloriously handsome, suave, beautiful man just by being my femme self. But don't get it twisted when I say I found my man. My spouse is a newly found man, taking a step into his future as a new official, with his new official legal gender marker, transitioning into this new existence with his femme on his arm. We are a radical queer couple, a trans couple, proving that gender nonconformity is a very real and very valid existence. So here I am with my man, just like my mama wanted. <laughs> now, even though I have the confidence in my power as a femme, I'm not saying that the struggle is over. 
I work to remain visible in my community. I shout about my queerness every chance I get. Femme women, including myself, have to come out daily. We have to prove to ourselves, we have to prove ourselves to straight women, to straight men, and even to our own queer communities. In a comic for everyday feminism, artist Anna Bongiovanni wrote, we live in a culture that celebrates masculinity and demonizes and shames femininity, and those habits don't go away in the queer community. This culture expects dykes to reject gender roles automatically when rejecting a heterosexual orientation. We have to fight internalized misogyny. We have to constantly turn down cis men who think they can turn us with a good dicking. Excuse me, sir, my strap-on is bigger than the average dick, so good luck with that. And I, on a personal level, have to tell myself that I'm worthy as a femme being. Society's attempt at femme erasure almost snuffed out my flame a few times. They almost won, but I'm here to tell you, and any femme who think they need to alter their appearance to look more queer, to stop that shit. Stop it now. Own your fucking femme. We owe it to the trans femme women of color that began the Stonewall riots, Marsha and Sylvia, to stand tall and to stand femme. Thank you. I confess, sometimes I squeal like a pig when I feel a finger in my butt. (laughs) That seems like an inappropriate response. I confess, I've only had sex twice in 10 years, but I have a new boyfriend. Lucky for him and for me. (laughs) Get it. I confess, the first time I ever tried anal, I used flavored lube. The fake sugar gave me explosive diarrhea all (laughs) night. Oh, Bunny, I'm so sorry. Flavored lube is kind of really the worst. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I can't imagine it would, you would want the flavored lube anywhere else, no. you know? Uh, what? Helpful hints. Helpful hints. Yes. <laughs> we, we got lots of those. I confess, 39 years, two marriages, and many long-term relationships, I fear I have never loved anyone the way they love me. Okay. That's how it goes. I confess, I often worry that I'll never find my person. Are you out there? Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Meow. I confess, some of my confessions have been so sexy that several of them have made the book. We have a book, if you didn't know, it's available at the confessions table. Uh, However, I am sitting here tonight with a yeast infection. (laughs) (sighs) Hashtag not sexy. Hashtag being a girl is hard. Hashtag vaginas can have a mind of their own. Yeah. Those are your confessions. Keep them coming.
Bedpus Confessions is recorded in front of a live audience at the North Door in Austin, Texas. To view our full 2020 calendar or snag an I Confess t-shirt, tote, or journal, visit bedpostconfessions.com. Follow at Bedpost Confessions on Instagram and Facebook for even more audience confessions and the Performer Tuesday takeovers. Link for Chola and all things Bedpost Confessions on our show notes. And see Chola Magnolia live January 25th at the North Door for Fat Bottom Cabaret and Midnight Menagerie's Winter Rotica. Bedpost Confessions is produced by myself, Miranda Wiley, and Sadie Smythe. Our podcast production team is Mariah Gossett, Mike Moody, and Permanent Record Studios. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and maybe share the show with a femme or two. Thank you, and keep confessing.